Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to That Change Show. I'm your host, Jason Little, and I'm also the author of Lean Change Management and Change Agility. So right off the bat, this is a weekly 15-minute or so show where I take questions that I received basically from traveling the world since 2014 and working in many different organizations, running many lean coffee sessions in public or at conferences or with some of the lean change facilitators around the world, all shapes and sizes of companies, and really asking you know, why people were getting stuck, what was getting them unstuck, and also in those lean coffee sessions, you know, what questions do you have about lean change management? And this is one that I had recently in a lean coffee session that I did, I think in Colombia or Mexico, can't remember because I do so many of them, but it's one that's kind of happened throughout a number of sessions. People want to know what are some examples when nothing you talk about actually worked? So nothing in Lean Change actually worked at all. So strap yourself in and get your attitude of, well, you dummy, you should have probably did it this way, and let's get right into it. So whenever I get asked that question, the first one that comes to mind is this enterprise organization that had been transforming for uh, overall as an IT organization, uh, probably seven or eight years in total. You know, many consulting agencies have come and gone, many different rotations of the Agile COE and leadership and all that type of stuff. And uh, this was reasonably small, 1,500 people or so uh, division that was sort of seen as the laggard. So they weren't really doing a lot of these practices right now. And I remember talking to somebody in the organization and um, one, of the, uh, one of the leaders there and I wasn't really feeling it. You know, a lot of the times as a change agent, you know, you kind of have to take the gig because you, you need to take the gig. I think I was at a stage in my career where I could be a little more selective, um, which was one benefit, but I, I just wasn't feeling it. It just felt like same old, same old. We want faster, better, cheaper, and we want magic. We know it's not magic. We know it's not a silver bullet, but we want faster, better, cheaper because that's magic and that's the silver bullet. That's the kind of the vibe I got. So I turned them down. And then I talked to that person's boss, uh, I don't know, a few weeks later, and uh, they actually gave me a compelling story. So this was the, the top leader in that particular division. And um, their story was, there's three things I really care about. Are the people doing the work happy? Are, did the stakeholders feel they're getting their money's worth? And are our end users happy? And I thought, okay, that, that's pretty interesting. He, he, he told me a lot of really great stories, but the energy and the, the attitude and the disposition that this person had towards this change was, was pretty compelling. So I thought, okay, my spidey sense is still saying, yeah, this probably isn't a good idea, but you know, we've got that mythical unicorn, right? We've got the support from the top leader, so maybe everything will be okay. So I remember one of the first experiments that always works that I love doing is doing lean coffee sessions. And that is um, informal to begin with because the intent of doing this for me is to find the people who are interested, find the people who want to do this, people who are going to be the first movers, the people who are, good, who are going to help virally spread the change. So I did what I normally do. I put signs up by the elevator. This was a number of years ago, so we were allowed to be in the office. Um, on the outside of the bathroom doors, in the kitchen areas, stuff like that. I said, okay, you know, next Tuesday, 10 a.m., ninth floor, southeast corner in the lounge, we're going to do lean coffee and just talk about anything related to this agile transformation. And so I grab my coffee, head down to the lounge area. Nobody. Nobody shows up. 
I wait about 15 minutes, nothing. I'm like, hmm, okay, I wonder what's going on. So somebody had actually uh, reached out to me and sent me an email and they said, hey, we waited for you for 15 minutes and you know, you weren't there. And I was like, oh, okay. I was on the ninth floor, southeast corner in the lounge where the sign said, and they said, oh, that's not the actual lounge. The la- there, is a, there, <laughs> there is a real, a real room called the lounge and it's over here on the ninth floor. And I was like, oh, okay, well, dumb luck. So I said, okay, well, I'm going to do the same, uh, same time, same day, you know, Tuesdays, 10 o'clock. Um, you guys can come to that one instead. So I tried that experiment again. Nobody showed up. And so the third time I tried, uh, I, I like keeping them informal. And I know there's probably people listening that are thinking, well, you idiot, why didn't you send personal invites or go talk to people? Because at this stage, the most important thing for me is to find out what's the level of motivation. Who are the people that really want to learn how to do this? Because I'm there for a finite amount of time. They're there for the longer time period. And if nobody picks up the ball and becomes the vocal element for for these changes, I'm going to blip. I'm going to be gone. Nothing's going to be different. So uh, basically, I tried a, a bunch of different experiments. The third week, somebody actually showed up. But it's because they were visiting from another office and they wanted a coffee. So they came into the lounge and uh, they just uh, got a coffee. And I said, oh, <laughs> are you here for the lean coffee? Uh, what? But when we ended up having a pretty good chat about all of this Agile stuff, which was pretty cool. And um, none of those experiments worked. And uh, a couple of other things I did there, um, I attended some retrospectives from two of the first pilot teams that were running uh, Agile projects. and neither of them went well so I remember the facilitator asking uh, you know raise your hand if you'd like to participate in an agile project again and two of 25 people put their hands up and I would learn quickly that agile was kind of being used as a stick so it was being used as a way to get people to work harder and longer hours they still had all the old world stuff they had to do and they had all this new agile stuff that they had to do as well so uh, uh, no es bueno and few other experiments um you know i tried to do an official uh coaching clinic and to try to find people who would become coaches and change agents and the first session i think we had maybe 12 13 people showed up and after that it was the same two people and it was just a couple of developers who were just frustrated with how things were working and they really just wanted a sounding board for why they didn't like the way things were working around there and you know what could I do as the outsider to help that but long story short none of those experiments really brought anything I mean we had a lot of high friction in that organization Um, I would find out later that there was kind of a competition for the boss's job going on between the, um, the, the the VPs there so their interest was more in getting control of the ship and less about improving things there were a couple of things. There was some pretty bad mojo between the business and the IT teams. I wrote about this on LinkedIn a few weeks ago um, about being kind of parachuted in between these two VPs who really didn't get along very well. And it was a combination of things. I don't think I was the right change agent for one. I think what they really needed was a strong push and a mandate from HR, which I don't believe works and I would never advocate for that type of approach. Um, there was no compelling reason. 
Um, everything was going fine. They were doing deliveries. Some of the teams I was working with were using Kanban, um, and they were delivering frequently to customers, even though they weren't allowed to use Kanban because the organization's official stance was, that's not a supported method, you can't use it, which obviously is about the dumbest thing you might hear. And uh, so there were some small little pockets and things that, that, that worked okay. I did a Lego serious play session with two departments that were merging. And uh, they were visualizing their work with Kanban. Uh, we were visualizing portfolio level work, but none of that stuff stuck because there really wasn't any appetite to do it. So basically everything I just talked about happened within a few weeks. And I was technically under a five day a week, six month contract with them. And I said, you know what? Uh, VP person, I think I'm just gonna stop coming. You know, there's no traction. This either isn't a good time, I'm not the right person, you don't need to do this in the first place, something's going on, but there's basically zero level interest here to do this. So I'm under contract, if anything changes, email me, I'll just stop billing you. I went back on my last day of that six month, six months handed in my badge and walked away. Um, and then I would find out that the VP actually got reassigned to another division and the department I was working with got absorbed into another one. So none of it really mattered anyway. And that felt kind of crappy. It was like, geez, think of, think of um, if I would have stayed there for six months beating my head against the wall or pushing water uphill with a stick. It just doesn't feel good sometimes that you're trying your best to, to help an organization and just nothing sticks. And I think for me, it's to not get too, I guess, freaked out about that. Sometimes we just can't explain why change works. We don't know why. We've tried things, we've got some conditions in place, we've made some small successes, and we talk about those successes, and still things don't really go forward. The second one that always comes to mind is in another organization, I guess similar large enterprise that had been transforming for X number of years. And I remember um, the level of hostility was off the charts as far as uh, what uh, I was used to, like people yelling at each other on the floor and just, you know, not a really good environment. Um, they had had the big consulting firms in and out. They've had many independents in and out over a number of years and many changes of agile leadership and all this other type of stuff. And uh, we, when we went in, we very quickly, I think there were six coaches and three of them were gone within a week because there was just either no appetite or just downright, uh, outright hostility towards them. And we were pissed as coaches and consultants. We were, we were really pissed about this. And uh, I think I survived the longest, so I guess I'd take that for what you will. But there were two of us there at the end, and we basically went into a meeting with uh, the VP and their direct reports to fire them. And we walked in and we said, you know, uh, we presented a bunch of data, told a bunch of stories, came at it from the rational side, and then we came at it from the emotional side, and basically said, you treat your people like crap. There's people yelling at each other. There's people going on sick leave for writing software. There's people here to three in the morning writing test cases because the agile firm you hired to do the agile testing part only is adding all of this stuff on top of people. Um, and, and it's just agile's off the table. So we're not gonna help you with this anymore. Uh, here's the conditions, basically. Uh, you've gotta get your ship in order because it's not what's going on on the floor, it's something else that's going on in this room because it's like parents and kids, right? If the parents fight, the kids fight. So uh, we walked out thinking nothing would happen. They called us back and we had the same conversation one level up. And uh, then we 
had the exact same conversation, walked away, they called us again. We had another conversation at the highest level. And we could see through those conversations that crap rolls downhill. And I know that sounds like a negative thing. I, I do believe everybody in our in organizations are trying to do the best with what they can. In this particular industry, it's highly competitive, high stress, and the attitude of get things done at all cost rolls right down from, from the top. And people just kind of get steamrolled with that. So we did have empathy for these folks, but we weren't we weren't going to sugarcoat it for them. They had all the big consulting firms in there saying how awesome everything was going to be and look at our great framework and our awesome PowerPoints and our 5,000% improvements in all these organizations. And we did the opposite. We walked in and said, yeah, you know what? Your people are just not happy and they're physically getting ill. So if we don't address those problems, don't even think about Agile. And I think they appreciated that. They did get leadership coaching top down for the next few years, at least, um, and I ran into somebody on one of the early teams I was working with, and this was one of the teams where there was a lot of hostility between business and IT. And I mean, you know, hostile to the point of, you idiot, why didn't you read the document out loud in planning meetings? So not passive aggressive stuff that we're normally accustomed to. And I remember this person saying, I don't know what you guys did, um, but it seems like things are better than they used to be. So for me, that's a victory, but at the time in the moment, Huge failure. Uh, nothing worked. And then, you know, obviously you have to look at yourself as the change agent. What were the conditions that led me to saying yes to be here, to being here in the first place? But those two things, no matter what we tried to do with a pull-based coaching type of approach in those, those two environments, nothing seemed to move things forward. And both of those companies are still transforming today. And the, these stories are from years and years ago. So I guess the uh, the third spectacular failure was, I guess, you, yeah, maybe it's not a spectacular failure, but it's failure to even start. It was that bad. The, this approach was so not conducive to the environment. Um, I was talking to the leader and the leader's three direct reports, flat organization, four levels of hierarchy, and uh, they weren't happy with what was being delivered and they wanted to do an agile transformation. Small company, about 80 people or so. And I remember at one point in the conversation, this was on conference call, and uh, they asked, so what can we do to ensure people on the teams are doing what you teach them when you're gone? And I said, well, you kind of can't. If, if they don't want to do this, they're not going to do it. They're not robots. You can't program them. There's got to be people who are motivated, who want to work in a different way because they feel a deeper sense of purpose or they see something that is intrinsically motivating them to wanting to do it. And I remember silence for about 30 seconds. Um, and uh, then I spoke up again and I said, instead of training, how about this option? So I think given you're small enough, we could do an open space. We could get all 80 people in a room for half a day and we could explore why this change, why now, from the perspectives of, of all the people involved. And I think that will get you some really good information about what, do people see the problem the same way that you do? And maybe they have easier ideas that can help move things forward. And uh, silence again. And they said, well, we really just want to get people trained on this stuff. And we want to make sure that people, you know, do these practices and these processes when you're gone. And I said, well, you know, we can't, you can't really guarantee that at all because people, I said, at, at best, you'll get malicious compliance. You'll get people following the process because they're being told to, but you won't, won't really get anything meaningful out of it. Silence again for 30 seconds, and then, okay, we're going to rethink what we want to do. Okay, we'll call you back later. Bye, click. And I never heard from them again. 
So the you know those three stories. I'm sure there's more along the way that I've maybe I've blocked out in my mind because those suck, right? Like it's hard as a change agent sometimes to to try to pour your heart and your soul and how you believe you want to help make things better in an organization, and then just have them slam the door in your face. It feels crappy sometimes. So I did learn to like not get beat up about it. And early on in my career, I would take personal offense to it. It would feel really bad to, to not be able to move those things forward. And now when I look at these spectacular failures in retrospect, I'm like, they were really good learning experiences and they actually helped shape the approach that I use now, which is options and choice. That's what's gonna move change forward. There's no magical framework or tool or process or practice that's gonna move things forward. It's really the, the attitude and the lenses that you look through as a change agent and being authentic and genuine about your desire to help and move things forward. Sometimes an organization, it's gonna be a good match uh, between you and the organization and sometimes it's not gonna be a good match. Maybe they should have a process improvement person instead of having you know a coach or, or a consultant. But uh, either way, they don't feel good sometimes, but you can sweep them under the rug and just sort of move on with things. So that's it for this episode. Um, I'm sure there's some, uh, uh, geez, even now that I'm thinking that there's some stories that I've mentally blocked out from my brain, there's a couple of, uh, couple of other ones too. So maybe I'll do a follow-up on this one as well. But um, if you would like to check out the previous episodes, you can go to thatchangeshow.com or you can go to leanchange.tv if you want to watch the video versions and drop some comments on the leanchange.tv episodes. I'm going to be taking some of these change challenges and questions from Lean Coffees. I've got thousands of them, so hopefully I'll keep these you know, within 15, 20 minutes or so, and hopefully it gives you enough insight to figure out how you can jiggle your change loose. So I'm Jason Little, your host and author of Lean Change Management and Change Agility. If you're watching this on Lean Change TV, hit the subscribe button. You'll get notified when new episodes come out or subscribe in your favorite podcast reader, and I'll see you on the next one.